Welcome to the Dulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Well, amen. Good morning. It is good to be back with all of you guys today. Like Brian said, we love you guys. We miss you. Uh, and so it is good to be back. This is literally the first time in three months that I'm preaching, like, not just to a camera, but there's people here, you know? And so that's nice. I like that. Some of you guys can talk to me a little bit. Maybe I can hear a little bit of love from you today. But but quarantine life has been crazy, right? Um, I remember I was in Mexico when all of this hit, right? And so like I was safe. I was in Mexico. And then all of a sudden we started to get these updates on our phones that like the NBA was canceled, the MLB was canceled. And then I was with the college students. So they were like, yo, school's canceled. And I'm like, that's crazy. And then we got all these updates that the counties were canceled. And then all of a sudden, like I get back on uh, Friday. I'm looking forward to church on Sunday. What happens? We can't come to church on Sunday. Church goes goes all online. And and then like you get back and I don't know about you, but like, thank God I had toilet paper. You know what I mean? Like, cause you couldn't find it anywhere. Like it took me three weeks. I don't know if you're like your parents go and shop for the toilet paper, but like I've got to shop for the toilet paper. My mom doesn't get it for me no more. And so like I looked everywhere and like desperate times, desperate measures. Thankfully I didn't have to do nothing crazy, you know, but finally found some toilet paper, shout out to Aldi, um, and they, they held it down, and we're good now. We have toilet paper, we have food and all that, but, but here's the thing. COVID-19's been crazy because the reality of COVID-19 is that it took everything from some, but it took something from everybody. You have some people that, that they lost their, their jobs, right? While some people just lost their jobs, you have people that, that, that have lost their, their family members, and the crazy thing about COVID-19 is it's just put us all in, in this place where we're honestly, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen, right? And, and it took away our normal entirely where we're just left like, what's next? And then, you know, we started to get back on the come up. They started putting toilet paper back on the shelves. You could go into a store and you could actually find food. And then all of a sudden, May, 5th, May 25th happened. May 25th, you wake up, you get on social media, and you see George Floyd murdered. Eight minutes straight of it, which if you allow me to say and to agree with Brian Morazic when he said that racism is sick, racism is sin, and we do not stand for it here. And I understand the color of my skin, but I can say confidently that while I don't feel your pain, I don't know what you're feeling. I want to. I want to empathize with you. I stand with you and so does this whole entire church. We are with you and we are doing everything we can to lead change and we will not stop because racism is sick, racism is sin, and you are created in God's image and you are loved. And so our world's in a a weird, weird spot today. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about Jesus. Because the truth is, with, with Jesus, all of the best things in life are found in him. The, the, the cure to sin, the cure to sickness is found in Jesus. And if there's anything at all that should define you sitting in this seat right now, if there's anything that should define you as a, as a man, a woman, a boy or girl, it should be Jesus. And so today we start a brand new series called Defined. 
where for the next four weeks, we're going to look at, at what it means to be in Jesus. And today, I love it because we're going to take some time to look at specifically what, what the blessings are of being in Jesus. Now, now, to make that a little bit more simple, when I say in Jesus, to be in Jesus is to be a Christian. To be in Jesus is to put your faith and say, okay, I get it. I was a sinner. God sent Jesus. Jesus died for me. Three days later, he rose again. If you believe that and put your faith into it, then you are in Jesus. And the first thing that I've got to tell you this morning is if you are in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, then you are blessed. And, and I love it because I'm not talking about like, like a little bit, you know what I mean? Like you're, you are big blessed, like blessed, capital, caps lock, right? And so what I want to do before we get together, I, I told you guys, I got I to gotta hear from you, right? So I just want you guys to declare that over your lives. Say it with me. I got to see what I want you to say. <laughs> Here it is. In Jesus, I am blessed. Declare that with me. In Jesus, I am blessed. Okay, you got to believe it, right? Like, give it to me. In Jesus, I am blessed. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to open up on the app. Get there real quick. We're going to start in verse 1. It starts like this. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You read that, and honestly, the first couple of verses, they're pretty basic, right? Like, if you spend much time reading the Bible, maybe you don't, maybe you do, but those first few uh, verses are like a, a normal start, honestly. Verses 1 and 2, you're like, okay, pretty basic, just a hello, my name is Paul, this is to the church in Ephesus, what's up? But, but here's where things get crazy. If you've got your Bible, you can look in uh, verses 3 to 14, if you're on the app, you can see that. You see it's a bunch of different sentences, but here's the, the, the wild part. Verses 3 to 14 in the original Greek, the Bible is written in Greek, the New Testament at least. In, in verses 3 to 14, originally it was one long sentence. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at this huge sentence that's in Ephesians 1. And what it is, is it's one grand, awesome sentence that talks about how blessed you are in Jesus. So here it goes. I've got seven blessings for you this morning. I don't know if you're sitting here and feeling blessed, but I hope by the end of my sermon, you walk out and you know you're blessed. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to continue in verse three. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And here's our first blessing. Even has he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. The first blessing that you have this morning is that you are chosen. I don't know about you, but I am terrible at basketball. Uh, literally, like I cannot shoot. I cannot alley-oop. I cannot do a layup. I definitely can't dunk. But like there is nothing, I can't even dribble, right? Like there's nothing good that I can do when I play basketball. I got together with my, my connect group. I lead a college age connect group and I was playing some basketball with them. And there's this one dude and uh, I don't think he's D1. I don't know what he is, but he plays basketball in college, right? And so I was like, okay, I'll just D up on him, right? And so like I'm trying my hardest. 
he broke my ankles. <laughs> like, I just like fell backwards, like literally broke my ankles. And the worst part is like, we have campus patrol that rolls around. So there's this old dude, his name's Dan. And for some reason he'd walked in the sports center as I was getting my ankles broke. And so like, Every time he sees me, like, if I wear Jordans, he'll be like, you know, you should take those Jordans off. I've seen you play basketball. I'm like, golly, man. Like, I'm so bad at basketball. So what happens is every time I play basketball, I get picked last. And, like, it just doesn't feel good. Like, if you've ever played sports and you get picked last, like, it's a bummer, right? Like, it's just like, all right, guys. Yeah, like, I know I'm terrible. You don't even want me on your team. You want me on the bench? Uh, yeah, okay. You'll sub me in? Sure, okay. But, but, it, but it's different when you get picked first, right? Like when you get picked first on the sports team, you walk a little bit different. You're like, you know, like the chest is high. You got the head up. You're like, yeah. Number one draft pick right here, me. I got picked first. You know, you start flexing a little bit. You feel good, right? Jesus chose you first. Before anything else, it says, before the foundation of the world, Jesus chose you. I love this because this is just a good old-fashioned reminder for me and Paul that Jesus loves you. He loves you. He chose you first. If you've ever felt like, hey, I'm not special. Hey, I, I don't really have much to offer. I usually get picked last. Know that in Christ you were picked First, Jesus chose you. Before anything was formed, before we even had an earth, he picked you. Jesus said, I I want you. I I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. And, And what I love about Jesus choosing me and Jesus choosing you is like Jesus didn't just go and pick all the perfect people, right? Like Jesus didn't go and be like, ah, yep, just the right height. Hadn't had sex before marriage. Yep, I'll take that one. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus didn't just go around and pick perfect people. You see, what John 3.16 says is, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever, whoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Here it is. There is a God in heaven that loves you. And no matter how messed up, no matter how broken you are, no matter what stupid sin you might have struggled with, he chose you. And that, my friends, that's a blessing. The sentence continues into verse 5. It says, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. The second blessing is this. You are adopted. We get to call the God who who created the whole entire world our Father, our good Father, which which is kind of weird because sometimes for me, I, I wonder, like, I take a look in the mirror, right? And I'm like, why would God want to adopt me, right? Like, I need a haircut. My shirt's a little too big. My, my pants are a little too tight. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, I, I make mistakes. I, I'm not perfect. Why, why, would God, why would God want me? Why would God choose to make me a part of his family? I, I don't deserve that. If I had a feeling, there, there's probably some of you sitting here today that, that feel like you don't deserve to be a part of God's family. You feel like you don't belong. Maybe you feel like you're too dirty or maybe you feel like you're too, you're just not good enough. I I don't know. 
But the reality is God still chose to adopt you. But it makes me ask the question, why? Why? Why did God choose me? Why did God want to adopt me? I'm not perfect. The answer is in the text. It says God that adopted according to the purpose of his will. When I say that God adopted you, what I'm saying is that God adopted you according to the purpose of his will, which leads me to the next question. Okay, so what is God's will? 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that it is not his will that anyone should perish, that all should repent and be saved. You see, God adopted you because he doesn't want you to perish. God doesn't want you to hurt. God doesn't want you in pain. God doesn't want you eternally separated from him. And so God adopted you. And I love this because, you, you see, you might have the whole entire world against you. But in Christ, you have God for you. You feel blessed yet? I got more. Uh, the third blessing is this. We're given grace. Verse 6 says, To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. We're given grace. And if I had to guess uh, again, there's probably some people sitting in these seats that if God and that has wondered if God still loves them after they've made a mistake. I know you've wondered it because I've wondered it. Right? Like you accept Jesus, you feel good, like you get loved, you get baptized, and you're like, man, I'm feeling good. But then you go and you do something stupid. You, you, you sin. And you're like, ooh, does he still love me? Then you sin again, and you're like, does he still love me? And so we ask this question after we make mistakes, could God still love me? He died for me, I accepted him, but now I'm kind of a hypocrite because I'm still sinning. Does he love a hypocrite? It's one of the biggest fears that I think that, that us or, or young Christians really struggle with. The idea of if God can still love them after they do something bad, after being baptized. If you've ever wondered if God still loved you after you made a mistake, let, let, me, let me remind you of what grace is. A few Christmases ago, I was at my parents' house for Christmas, and the rules at our house are, are kind of, I don't, I don't like them, but they are. They're good for my budget. But what we do at our family is uh, we draw names. We put everybody's name in there, and we draw it. And so, like, if I get my sister, Katie, I'll grab it. And she doesn't know that I've got her, but I've got her name. And then we have these lists, and I'm not allowed to spend more than $50 on her, right? Great for my budget. Um, but... I, so I, like, abide by the rules, and so I get there on Christmas and got my, like, $50 gift for my sister. My wife's got her gift for whoever, and um, we get through all the gifts, and then next thing I know, like, I'm looking at the tree. There's still some pretty big boxes under there, and I'm like, all right. And then my dad slides one my way, and I open it up, and it's an Xbox One X, and I'm like, oh, my. I'm in 4K, and I'm, I'm thinking, like, back in my mind, I'm like, but I don't have a 4K TV. My dad slides me another box. It's a 4K TV. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, this ain't 50 bucks, you know what I mean? And, like, I know you did not draw my name. All of a sudden this Christmas, I got gifts that I did not deserve. I didn't deserve that at all. I didn't give my dad a gift. Yet I got everything. Grace is like getting a gift you don't deserve. The reality is when you sin, the rules say that you, you shouldn't get forgiveness. In fact, you should get punishment. 
But with grace, you get the gifts you don't deserve. And when you mess up, you get forgiveness. That's beautiful. That is to say, you guys, as Christians, if you've ever asked, God, do you still love me? The answer is yes, God still loves you. Grace. But, but I know how this goes because then you start to think, okay, well, well how, you know, how does this grace stuff work? Is there enough of it for me? Like, how much, what if I've sinned like a lot? Let's keep reading the text. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Did you hear that? It says, According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You see, in case you're tempted to think that, that you've messed up a little too much for grace, Paul reminds you that God is rich. Like, you're not going to exhaust the source of grace. Like, there is so much. There is plenty of grace for you. And I love this word that he lavished us upon him. Like, this makes me, like, I'm thinking like a fat guy because here's the deal. Like, what I think lavished upon, I think, like, me as a bowl of ice cream. And then I think of grace as whipped cream. And I think of God as just, like, just like lavishing it upon us, just like more whipped cream than ice cream, just going all out. But that's what God does for us. There is more grace than you could ever imagine. There is more grace than you. There is no sin that God's not going to just, oh, I can't forgive him. I don't have enough like left for him. No, there is more than enough for you because you are blessed. Stop asking yourself, does God still love me? And walk confidently knowing that your Father in heaven loves you because there is Grace. God's not going to unadopt and drop you. When God says he loves you, he means it. No matter what, you're blessed with grace. The fourth blessing is this. We are redeemed. Um, the first part of verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood. Speaking of being blessed, I, I think that sometimes we forget that before Jesus, you and I were destined to go to hell. We don't really talk about that. But like before Jesus, we were going to spend eternity in suffering, separated from God. Not good, right? But thankfully, we were redeemed. This picture of redemption is beautiful. It's this idea that you and I were like prisoners of war. Sin had us beat. We, we were locked up. We, we couldn't escape. We couldn't pay the price to get away. We were trapped. And Jesus shows up and he sets us free. He breaks the chains. He pays the price. And we are free forever. And what's, what's really cool to me is like in this suite, it wasn't like a prison break, although that would be kind of rad, like if Jesus just like broke us out like that. But, but a prison break would, would imply that the price hadn't been paid, right? Like the, the, the guilt was still there. Jesus didn't break us out of prison. No, Jesus paid the price of our sin. So that means when we are redeemed, we, we don't still have these, these consequences of sin that define us. No, when we are redeemed, Jesus defines us. That means we're holy. We are blameless. That sin that we mess around with, it is separated as far as the east is from the west. We're redeemed. Keeps going in verse 9 and says, Making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. 
to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. The fifth blessing that we have is that we are enlightened. Sadly, I have friends and family members that don't know Jesus. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on my, my family. I'm working on my friends. I love them. I want them to come to know Jesus. But if you've ever had a conversation with someone that doesn't know Jesus, sometimes they say some really weird things about Jesus. Right? Like, I'll be, like, my family knows I'm, I'm a pastor. And so, I don't know why, but sometimes they'll just want to, like, tell me things about God. Right? And so, they'll ask weird questions. They'll be like, okay, if God really did create the world, then why are there cars? And they'll think it's, like, really deep. And I'll be like, what are you talking about? Like... What do cars have to do with God creating the world? You know what I mean? Like, but when you talk to somebody that doesn't know God and doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, sometimes they say things and you're like, yeah, you got no clue. <laughs> like, buddy, you got no clue what's going on with this whole God thing. We'll be praying for you. But <laughs> it, is, it isn't a bad thing. But, but the truth is, when you are far from God, you are far from God because the mystery of God's will isn't revealed to them. The truth is, when you have Jesus, the mystery is revealed to you. And, and, and the thing is, the, I know this is a little bit complicated, but, but the mystery doesn't imply that, that it is complicated or, or difficult to understand. It means that, that something was kept a secret until God chose to reveal it. Here's the thing. There's not a single person in this world that would say, okay, I, I have a great way to save the world. I'm going to have a kid one day, and he's going to be completely blameless and he's going to die for everybody, and that's how the world's going to be saved. Like, no one's going to come up with that plan, right? But, but God's plan is, is plain, and it's beautiful, and it's simple. And that's been revealed to us. We have Jesus, it all makes sense. It's like, yeah, you know what? I am a sinner. I do make mistakes. You know what? Jesus does love me. He did die for me. But when you don't have Jesus, and, and you tell maybe a friend that doesn't know him, you're like, hey, hey, Jesus loves you. You're a sinner. He died for you. They're just like, and not me. The mystery hasn't been revealed to them. We are blessed to be enlightened because we have a small understanding of what it is or what it looks like for God to love us. There's people in the world and they can't grasp the fact that there's a God in heaven that loves them and that's sad. That's sad that there's people out there that don't know that God loves them. We're blessed. We're blessed to know that there's a God in heaven who loves you and loves me. The next blessing, blessing is this. It's that we are given an inheritance. I'm talking about heaven, baby. Like, what, what's weird to me about heaven is it's a lot like hell. Like, we only talk about it sometimes. For some reason, we only talk about heaven, like, when people die. They're like, yeah, Grandma died, but she's in a better place, heaven. And, and like, that's the only time we talk about it. You know what I mean? It, it's weird. But like, having a bad day, maybe today's not been so great for you. Maybe you've had a bad week. Remember, you have an inheritance in Jesus. You are going to heaven. Verse 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. The day that you die as a Christian, you don't go to eternal punishment. You don't go to hell. You go to eternal pleasure. 
Like, when I die, I get to see Jesus face to face. When I die, I get to see my grandma again. When I die, I get to go to a place where where there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more sickness, there's no more death, there's no more racism. It's a perfect place. We have an inheritance in Jesus. When we die, we get to go to heaven. That's a blessing. We We can't forget about that. I got one more for us. The last blessing is this, it's, it's we're, we're sealed with the Spirit. And I like this one because really it kind of like, I've, I've given you six different blessings, but really what this seventh blessing is, is it kind of just like wraps it all in as a guarantee that, yeah, you are blessed. Verse 13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. October 9th, 2015, I, uh, I got in my 1996 Ford Explorer and uh, I went to Allison's apartment. I told her to pack a bag. Then I got in her car because my car was terrible and it's just gonna break down. And I, uh, I got in her car, drove her all the way to Texas, dropped her off at her dad's house, said, get extra pretty. She's already pretty, but I was like, just get a little bit more pretty. And uh, then I picked her up and I took her to dinner. We went to Dallas. We, we went on a rooftop. It was beautiful. For some reason that night, they were shooting fireworks off a of Reunion Tower. It was like this perfect night. She was like, did you plan this for me? I was like, yeah. And uh, <laughs> totally. <laughs> That I got down on one knee and I said, Allison, will you marry me? She said yes. And then in that moment, I took an engagement ring and I slipped it on her finger. And what that ring meant is that, that it was a guarantee to her that I was going to be her husband and that she would be my wife. It was a guarantee for her sealing the fact that I loved her, that I chose her. You see, when we accept Jesus, when you accept Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. And what, what, the, thing, or what the scripture says, what, what the thing says, uh, what the Bible says is that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. Here's the crazy part, and, and I like this, and I know you're not married, uh, but, but hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll get a little piece of this because it helps it feel more real. The word for, for guarantee and in the modern Greek, it is it's an engagement ring. And so, like an engagement ring guaranteed Allison that I loved her and that I would be her husband one day, we have this guarantee in the Holy Spirit that one day we will be in heaven with God. Man, it, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful picture. It says all, all of these blessings that you have... It, They're guaranteed. You're you're locked in. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you can know you are loved. All of this heaven talk, it's not fake. It's a guarantee. And so for for you, I hope that that's a a reminder. Think of an engagement ring. Think, Think of that promise. And know that in, that in much more of a sense, I, I know I like committed my life to Allison, but more than that, God is committed to you. He's committed to loving you. He's committed to, to blessing you. And one day, you are going to spend eternity with him. 
And so there it is. You're not defined by your sin. You're not defined by your situation. You're not defined by your skill. You're not defined by your family, your skin color. You are defined by Jesus. In Jesus, you are chosen. In Jesus, you are adopted. You're given grace. You're redeemed. You're enlightened. You're an heir to the throne. And you are sealed with the Spirit. If you're blessed this morning, say amen. Amen. Because in Christ Jesus, you are blessed. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Dulas Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.